You're listening to the Savvy Painter Podcast, episode number 300. Yes. So hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Savvy Painter Podcast. This has been quite the week, quite the year, quite the everything. I, on Monday, I found out that the house that I'm living in is not going to be where I'm living, basically. So long story short, turns out that I found out on Monday that I needed to find a new place to live. And the tricky thing about that is that we here in Argentina and in this place that I currently live are going into the high season. It's summer. So there's not a lot of houses to rent anyway. And the ones that are available to rent, they want to rent it out sort of like the equivalent of an Airbnb because there's a lot of tourists who come in. So many people here, an entire salary for somebody in three months. So that means that even if there are houses, they're super, super hard to find. So I found one in less than 24 hours. I found a house, met with them. I talked to a whole bunch of realtors throughout this whole process. It was so interesting because every single realtor that I talked to, they're like, don't move, don't leave that house. And they're like, there's nothing out there. And it was just sheer luck that this house became available, hadn't even been listed yet, just happened to ask the right person at the right time. And so I got this house and they accept my dogs and I have an enormous garage. So I finally get the art studio that I've been wanting. So on all levels, it works out really, really well, but it's been quite the week. There's a lot of stuff that I had to do in order to get that house and to get everything in order and make sure that they knew that I was a person to rent to and all these different things. So that's what's happening. So now I'm moving. I have, as I'm recording this today, I have five days. (laughs) So this is all happening very, very fast. I was not expecting to move. And so now I'm packing up my studio and finding like all the things, finding out where do I even find boxes here and finding all these things and then up and moving. But I am so grateful to have found this place. I'm also so incredibly grateful for my friends here who all have been just amazing and so helpful this past week because I'm like, oh my God, I need a place to live. This is insane. So it's amazing how things work out because I really do think that this house that I'm going to be going into is going to be so, I wasn't looking for a new house and I do love the house. You know, I'm very happy where I am, but I think this new place just opens up a whole bunch other opportunities. It's in a quieter neighborhood and it's got a giant space for me to set up an art studio. So all around good news. It's just been a crazy week. But what I think is really interesting about it is some of the reasons that There was definitely a lot of luck in finding this place that I found. It was also a lot of just being very persistent and not letting other people decide what is possible for me. So just continuing to push forward and to question like, why do you say that? Do you really mean like zero houses or is it just not a house that you would live in? Or is it just that really zero houses? And I just kept asking and asking and asking and had everyone looking and asking, you know, like kind of acquaintances and friends of friends and really calling in all the favors. 
or all the asks, which for me, I was the type of person growing up where it would be hard for me. My mom would say like, why don't you call and ask, well, call so-and-so and ask them this, or even just call and order a pizza. And I would be so scared to do that. So I find it amazing that I kind of pulled this off and did it all in Spanish and <laughs> figured it out and found this amazing house. So that's what's going on in my world right now. And this week on the podcast, what I wanted to talk to you about this past week, in addition to that, I have been teaching the creative habits course and we've been talking this week about other people's opinions and i was thinking a lot about that as i was having this experience of having people tell me that that it's not possible for me to find a new place to live especially right now and that i should just suck it up and stay where i am and i decided that just was not going to work and so staying true to what my voice was telling me staying true to what I thought was right for me and not taking things at face value and just questioning and question respectfully, obviously, but questioning like, is this true for me? So I was thinking about some of these ideas, this experience of finding a new house and some of the things that I've been talking about with members of growth studio and with people in the creative habits course is the idea of adopting other people's opinions, the idea of thinking about what other people say and how that impacts and relates to our art. So we hear things from all over the place. We hear opinions about what it means to be an artist and what it means to be a creator and all these things. And we hear it as kids in school. We hear it in comments from people that we know we hear it in comments from people that we barely know we hear it in movies in books over and over and over again we are offered ideas about how artists are and how artists should be how artists behave how we are seen through the filtered lens of other people and the pictures that they paint of artists are filled with stereotypes, assumptions, and misunderstandings. People say things, people believe things like artists don't have quote unquote real jobs. Artists are flighty. Artists are not capable of understanding business. Artists are temperamental. Artists are emotional. Artists are prone to substance abuse. Artists are poor, they're desperate. There's not enough money for artists. There are not enough collectors. For all these artists. Art is not necessary. Art is for rich people. Art is difficult to understand. If you don't like it, it's because you're not intelligent. Artists who make lots of money have completely sold out. Artists who don't make enough money are obviously not good enough or talented enough. They're just not real artists. This list goes on and on and on and on. And it's filled with so many contradictions. Yet these are the ideas that we are offered and we often adopt these stereotypes, these assumptions, these misunderstandings. These are things that are, we're almost conditioned to believe. So we have heard these ideas so many times and so consistently that many of them are just embedded in our belief system. 
they're deeply rooted because they likely have been dripped into our minds over many, many, many years by many different sources. And because we believe that they are true, or at least partially true, we don't recognize that these are optional ideas and that they don't serve the art or the artist who creates the art. And when we have beliefs that have rooted in our mind, beliefs that have deep, deep roots because they've been there for so long, growing and collecting evidence to support their truthiness, they're like weeds in an untended garden, I think. Their root system is lodged into this fertile ground and they are spreading and sucking up all of the other resources. So when you have the experience of not getting the result that you want in your art practice, these beliefs are right there, ready for you, ready to suck you in. They'll say things like, well, I can't sell my work because there's nobody buying it. Or I'm just not a person who can figure out the business side of my art. Or I don't want to promote my work because people will think I'm selling out. Or I don't know how to price my work so that people will buy it. When you think those thoughts, when you think thoughts like that, it feels gross, right? Like, I can't sell my work because there's nobody buying it. That just doesn't feel good to me. Because underneath these thoughts is the underlying belief that you have no control. I can't sell my work because there's nobody buying art. You have no control over that and it just feels awful. But it gives you the relief of not having to make these decisions about your art or your art practice. I can't sell my work because there's nobody buying art. You could probably find tons of evidence for why that's true. And if anyone asked you, you could produce pages and pages of reasons to support the idea that you can't sell your work and that nobody is buying art. I bet you can even find lots, I mean, lots of other artists who agree with you. But the question is, is it helpful to believe that? Does it help you create more art? Does believing that help you sell more art? Does believing that open you up to discovering ways to connect with the people who are interested in your art? It's not likely. Thinking I can't sell my work because there's nobody buying art will probably make you feel discouraged and helpless and have you thinking things like, I don't know what to do, or I don't know how to make people buy. And those are thoughts which leave you feeling even more hopeless and more defeated. And from that place of helpless and defeated and discouraged, you're not going to be open to seeing possibilities. Your brain has already decided that there are no possibilities to be found. So opportunities could just land in your lap or compounding on your door and you wouldn't recognize them. You won't believe that they are opportunities. You'll just send them away or insist that they're not for you. This is the power of your belief system. When the lens that you see through is one of scarcity, is one of lack of opportunity, is a belief that there is not enough or that you are not business savvy or that it's wrong to promote your art too much. And by the way, any promotion that you do with that thought is going to be too much or that you're not good enough. If those are things that you believe, then you won't make offers to people. You won't say, hey, I have this painting and it costs this much. Do you want to buy it? You won't do that because you are so busy questioning just the first phrase of that sentence. I have this painting. 
oftentimes your brain just offers up immediately. Oh, you have a painting, but what if they don't like it? Is it good enough? I see something wrong with it. Oh, that brush stroke. It could be better. It's definitely not good enough right? So your brain will offer you up all these thoughts about this painting and you'll typically pick out everything that's wrong with it, all the ways that it could be better. And then the next phrase of that sentence, I'm just going to really take this one apart. The next phrase in that sentence, if you're thinking those things is even more scary because if the sentence again is, I have this painting, it costs this much and do you want to buy it? So after, if you're thinking like, by the time you get to, it costs this much, after thinking all of that about the painting, that they won't like it, it's not good enough, I see something wrong with it, it's definitely got not good enough because I can see this brushstroke is off. After you're thinking all of that and noticing everything that is wrong with it, saying, I have a painting and it costs this much is terrifying because your brain is also simultaneously, while it's picking apart the painting and deciding that it's not good enough, it's also now having to contend with, it costs this much. And what your brain will offer you at that point is, I don't know if my price is right, I'm charging too much. I have to get the right price or they're not gonna buy it. But what if I don't charge enough? I have no idea how to price my paintings. Now you have a whole nother layer of negative judgmental thoughts about your work, not just the work itself, but the amount of money that you are asking in exchange for it. So saying the last part of the sentence or anything similar after you've just run yourself through the gauntlet of criticism, doubt, and judgment, it's going to feel almost impossible to say it. This is why so many artists have such a hard time selling their work. Saying that sentence, is so loaded with opportunities for their limiting beliefs to jump in and sabotage the offer. If the artist truly believes that they don't know how to price their work before they even say the price, the artist will often signal that the price is negotiable or they will straight up offer a discount before they give their collector the chance to say yes or no. If the artist truly believes that the person they are about to ask won't like the painting because there's a quote unquote flaw in it, they will see any shift in the facial expression of the other person as proof that they don't like the painting. They will interpret silence as the other person just desperately trying to think of something, a polite way of saying no, or they're quiet because that silence is a quiet judgment of the work. Or what if the offer was made through email and the person doesn't respond quickly? Then what? Those artists will just know that the reason that person didn't respond immediately or didn't respond quickly is because they don't like the painting and they don't want to buy it. So if the artist makes the offer at all, because honestly, it makes total sense if they don't make a single offer to anyone, if they think that their work isn't good enough, that it's priced wrong and that the collector will say no anyway. Why would you put yourself through all that work of making an offer? If that's what you're thinking, it would make sense not to try to sell your work at all because that just sounds terrible. But let's just say that the artist thinks all of that and still forces himself to make an offer. That offer will be timid because they won't believe it. 
their voice will lack conviction. Or if it's an email, the email will lack conviction. We'll have that air of like, oh, I'm sorry to take up any space at all. But, and it's okay if you say no. If you did, I would totally understand. But I was wondering, and seriously, no obligation. And again, I'm so sorry to bother you, but would you like to buy this painting for $500 or whatever the price is? I mean, also, I can give you a discount and free framing, and I'll even bring it to your house and hang it for you. What do you think? Please, 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 please buy my painting. Now, just imagine that. I know a lot of you know that feeling, but just imagine right now if you went, for example, <laughs> to the Apple store to buy a phone, and that's the vibe that they greeted you with, or a clothing store. Like, hey, I have some jeans. They're not the best jeans. I mean, they work, but there are, of course, better jeans out there. But like, if you want to buy these jeans, I'll give you a discount and I'll give you a free shirt to match it. And I'll even come to your house and iron them before you wear them. I don't want to bother you. And I'm so sorry for taking your time. But do you want to buy these jeans? Like, do you hear that? I don't know about you, but I would be so distracted by that. And I would wonder what is wrong with these jeans or what's going on here that this person wants to sell me these jeans so badly. What's wrong with the jeans? I'm kind of scared of the whole thing at this point. Before you walk into, so going back to the Apple example, before you ever walk into the Apple store, they already know that you want the phone. They never doubt it or wonder if the phone is good enough. They're just curious about your life and how you might use it so that they can make sure that you buy the one that best suits you. They never doubt their product for a second. They never doubt themselves. That doesn't enter their minds. So that means that their brain isn't distracted and triggered by all these other things. Listen to that one more time. Their brains are not distracted and triggered by all these other things. They're just there to serve you. So often when artists are trying to sell their work, their collector is the last person that they're thinking of. They're completely wrapped up in how they look, how they're being judged or not being judged how they're perceived. They're going over the list of all the ways that they think the art is or isn't. They're so caught up in that whirlwind that they haven't even noticed they have a real human being in front of them, a human being who they are completely disconnected from. The artist is so up in their own thoughts and so up in their own head that they don't realize this is a person who has their own point of view, who has their own thoughts, who has their own opinions about the art. And they also have their own wallet and a bank account. And the artist knows nothing about these things because they haven't asked a single question. All they've done is sort of like just taken on all the drama that's playing out in their head. So instead of asking this collector a single question, instead they have all these beliefs and all these assumptions that they've collected throughout their lives, all these stories that they tell themselves about how the art should be, and they use those stories against themselves. They think they're all true, or they think other people have already decided that they're true. They absorb all the stereotypes, assumptions, and misunderstandings from all these other people, from well-meaning parents and relatives and friends, or from people who maybe aren't that well-meaning, we collect all of these thoughts and these beliefs and we see movies and we read books and we read blog posts or articles that 
reinforce the thoughts and beliefs about what it is to be an artist. And what gets lost in all of that is you, your own thoughts and beliefs and your own capacity to create the life that you want to create. So you're in this place that just feels impossible. You want this thing so badly, and yet you've been conditioned to believe that you'll never have it. So no wonder so many artists are confused. No wonder so many artists don't sell their work. What we believe, we create. So if you don't believe that you can sell your work, you will not sell your work. That is why it is so life-changing when you become aware of the beliefs that are coloring how you see your art and how you see yourself, the artist who creates it. When you become aware, you have options. Awareness equals options. You have the option to decide on purpose what it is you think of your art practice, what you think of your collectors, what you think of your capacity to find them and to connect with them in a very meaningful way. We are all here together on this planet at this very particular time. There's something miraculous about that, don't you think? And you have this gift. You have this way of experiencing the world that is different than a lot of people around you. And that difference matters. It's important. You connect with people and you show them what you see. And you know what? Some people will not get it. They won't. They may absolutely adore you and love you and still not get it, even after they see your work, even after they hear you talking about it. And then there's other people who will get it. And they will give you that little like wink and a little nod like, yep, I knew I liked you for a reason. Still other people will not get it either until you show them through your painting and through your love for this very human experience that we are all having together. And then they'll see it and they won't be able to unsee it. And they will have this experience of changing their point of view. And then still others will see your work and be like, oh my God, you see it too? So it's not just me. I thought I was the only one. And you will have given them a very powerful gift of knowing that there are others out there like them. You can only do that when you're connected and in love with yourself and your art, like truly and completely in love with yourself. And stay with me. I know that sounds strange because when you are truly and completely in love with yourself, you will treat yourself with the respect and dignity that you deserve. You won't tell yourself that what you have to say doesn't matter. You won't tell yourself that no one wants to hear or see what you have to say. You won't need other people to love you so that you know that you're worthy. You'll just love yourself and know that you're worthy on your own. And by loving yourself, you can actually recognize and enjoy the people who love you too. When you are truly and completely in love with yourself, you will get to enjoy being around this amazing artist with all the quirks, all the imperfections and all the brilliance that you possess. And when you do, you will be surprised how all the things that used to feel impossible are now completely doable. That's what I have for you, my friends. Have an amazing week. When you are aware of how powerful your mind is, you show up to your studio differently. You notice the abundant opportunities to level up your presence in the studio. And when you do that, 
you stop worrying about whether or not you have a voice because you know it was already there. Now your best work comes more easily. Join Growth Studio now. I show you your blind spots and help you create confidently. Just go to SavvyPainter.com forward slash join.